Hey guys, welcome to episode 72 of Bono's Stuff. I really appreciate you guys tuning in, listening. Lexi does too. She's playing with a squeaky ball right next to me. If you can hear that, apologies if that's disruptive at all. Uh, but we're going to keep it in the recording. I am excited to be joined here by Dr. Chris Ellis of Dynamic Naples, all the way in Florida. Uh, he is a hands-on therapist who thrives at educating his patients. He has worked with military personnel and professional athletes and strives to help his patients reach higher levels of performance. Being through physical trauma, Dr. Ellis understands what it takes to rehabilitate not only physically but mentally. His relaxed and warm personality creates a positive environment to achieve his patients' goals. He uh, shares a story about how he fell down an elevator shaft back in 2002, and that's what got him into physical therapy school. Check that out. That's all the way toward the end of the episode. Uh, he is a very active guy, uh, continues to play ice hockey and practice Brazilian jiu-jitsu, BJJ, uh, everyone's favorite. So uh, top three topics we covered here is the direction of PT. We talk about cash pay, hip impingements, and how he is foot obsessed. Stay tuned for that. Have fun. Uh, we are putting this out December 13th, 2021. So I hope you guys are having a great holiday season wherever you are. Uh, getting to spend some time with some loved ones. Taking some time to reflect, enjoy, stay physically active, and hope you have a great day. Enjoy the episode. Get 1% better every day. It's not live. There it is. We are live. Hey, guys. <laughs> welcome to episode 72 with Dr. Chris Ellis. Got a little tribe called Quest. Chris, you're in, over in Naples, Florida. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you being here, making some time. Uh, you just finished with a, a patient, yep? Yep, yep. Uh, done for the day. Nice. So, yeah, nice. one o'clock in the afternoon, not a bad schedule. <laughs> there you go. And <laughs> yeah. and, and that, can, we, that can take us right maybe into our first uh, area of discussion about uh, you are a 100% cash base model there. 100%, yes. Yeah. And, which and is, do, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, which is kind of unique because this area um, is a, a big Medicare population. Mm. So I'm going for a very small slice of the pie. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 And that's that's part of the whole rigmarole uh, out here in the world is, is you know, uh, there's the Seth Godin concept. You only need that small, you know, tribe, uh, you know, those those passionate fans um, yep. to, to support you. And, yeah, I, I, I totally believe in that for sure. And, again, if it's going to you know, bring you up and, and give you passion and energy. That's really what, what it's all about. So uh, tell us a little about your clinic. It's dynamic physiotherapy. I, I'm actually very curious because I played with the, the, the terminology, why you have it as two separate words. Is that just SEO um, type stuff? No, it was like initially I, I was kind of going for the DPT thing. Like, cause that's, ah, what, yeah, that, that was the initial thought. I don't really care about that anymore. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. <laughs> cause that, whenever I type it out, it always autocorrects to one word and right. I don't know. And I think it was also like, I like to call us physios instead of physical therapists. So oh yeah. I, I don't know. I kind of like that separation. So I don't know. I was just... uh, no, I definitely like the physio. I call myself, you know, my, my company is fit care physiotherapy mm -hmm. uh, for sure. So I think that's definitely, I, I get that side of it. I was just wondering about the, the two separate words, but yeah, I guess uh, I, I, I get yeah. where that went wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> um, so hundred percent cash based for anyone listening. I've covered this on a bunch of episodes. Um, I have my, my other podcasts we were talking about. I was, I was researching you before we jumped on and you had three different podcast going right is that tell, tell us a little bit of, of what happened there why and where where are you today so a little bit of shiny object syndrome like anybody <laughs> who's ever like started a business you kind of want to do everything you say yes to everything and 
as you get a little more experience, you start learning how to say no. <laughs> uh, well, so the very first one I was approached to do it with, that's the one called Poppin' Bottles. So I have a friend, she's a nurse practitioner. When I opened my cash thing, it was a side hustle job and I was still working at another clinic, basically full time. There was a nurse practitioner there. So it was really her idea to start a podcast. Uh, her premise was I was going to do a piece on physical therapy. She'd do a, per, a piece on uh, something nurse practitioner oriented. And then at the end, we pop on a bottle of wine and chit chat. And it was supposed to be kind of fun. So that yeah. was the premise there. Um, and I'm, I'll still do that. That was is just kind of fun. And then yeah. uh, and that one actually has a lot of traction. Hmm. And then um, I mean, popping bottles is a great name for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I actually think there's a couple of podcasts called that. Um, and then I, um, when I went full time into my own thing, I kind of connected with this personal trainer named John Williams. And then he approached me to do the Move with Modus podcast. And we've always had a great rapport. So that one just, you know, it feels easy. I just hop on a call with him. We, we don't even plan anything. We just talk and see what comes hmm. out. Nice. Um, and then um, he actually moved up back to Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Um, so then I started my own mostly for networking purposes, um, just to reach out to people and interview local practitioners in Southwest Florida. And that's really become my bread and butter. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's the dynamic Naples podcast. podcast. Yeah. Yep. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure we shout that out. We'll try to put that in the show notes, although I'm awesome. pretty bad Thanks. at that. Um, but yeah, we were starting to talk about the direction of physical therapy, cash-based, uh, you said you, you mentioned uh, you were doing the cash based thing as a side hustle. Uh, yeah. A lot of folks listening might not know unless they're in the physical therapy. Even even a lot of practitioners, I think, working in traditional insurance based settings might not even fully grasp what that means. So, yeah, if you can share a little sure. bit of that journey, uh, what pushed you in that direction and, and, and give us a little bit of background around that. So, you know, physical therapy in the traditional sense is not the most lucrative um, career unless you're doing like travel or. Uh, you know, skilled nursing, which that's yeah, terrible, <laughs> or home health. Um, so most physical therapists will pick up a, a job on the side. You know, a lot of outpatient physios will do a little um, maybe home health, like see a couple patients on the way home type of thing. And that's kind of what we call a side hustle. Um, I just decided to do a cash-based side hustle. So, I, you know, I found a little space and I, because I'd have patients reach out to me, hey, I want to see you, but I want it to be one-on-one. I want to take our time and so it kind of opened up a space for me to say, all right, we can, you know, I can justify renting a room somewhere and, you know, seeing people basically one-on-one and treating people hundred percent the way I want to. That's really the key. And there's a lot of reasons why I want to do the cash thing, but the really, the key is I want to treat people the way I want to treat them. I don't want to be, you know, told what to do by insurance companies that don't even see the patient. Yeah. And, uh, for, again, those, those listening, if you're not familiar, I, I, I worked with a few, um, of these cash base kind of masterminds. And, and some of that is like, we do not work for insurance companies and the insurance company. Again, if you're going in as a patient, uh, you might not realize this, but again, the care you're getting is being directed by the, the kind of, uh, you know, guidelines and barriers that, that are in place. Cause that's how insurance based contracts get paid out is, Hey, did they progress this amount? Did, you know, uh, did you, which codes did you do? You have to do eight minutes of, you know, ultrasound and then eight minutes of therapeutic exercise and, and, you know, document all that. And, uh, yep. the cash based model goes significantly around that and says, and, and, you know, and we see it in, in other countries, right. Where insurance is less of a thing and, and, uh, whatever you want to call the socialized model in Britain, Canada is two good examples. Australia, I believe also has something similar where again, if you're going in and say, Hey, Chris, uh, you seem to know what you're talking about. I'm going to give you whatever a hundred dollars right here. 
give me, give me all you got for a hundred dollars, whatever, maybe, you know, your rate might be double that. So maybe I get a half hour out of you, but, (laughs) um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just that, you know, exchange of, I value my time. I value your time. I'm willing to pay for your time. Uh, and that's the model that I think, uh, should be finding its way into, into the, 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 the mainstream slowly, but surely it's definitely, uh, emerging within our field, I would say, being in kind of the, the, the backside of it. I don't know if you agree with me on that, but uh, I'd love to hear how you feel about the overall direction of this profession. And, and uh, you know, are you completely away from insurance now, 100%? 100%. Yeah, and I just want to touch on something real quick, too, sort of the adjacent joint concept. So, you know, one of the, phys- the things that's um, frustrating as a physical therapist, because our training is like, okay, you got knee pain, let's look next door. Let's look at your hip, let's look at your ankles. That's probably where the problem's really coming from. Uh, and it gets hard in the insurance world to do that. Like insurance basically wants you to treat symptoms and not fix the underlying problem. So people never really get better. Maybe they, they get asymptomatic, but that comes back. So it just goes against what we know. It's like our whole ethos is disturbed by the insurance model. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So anyways, to your question, uh, I think it's a super exciting time. Uh, people are like there's more and more cash clinics opening every day. It's getting easier and easier to explain to people how the whole thing works. So it's definitely growing like immensely. And I'm in a mastermind group. I see new people being added to it every day, new grads too. It's not just like experienced clinicians. Like it just seems to be like a huge change that's like on the horizon. And I think it's, it's sort of destined to be that way, but you know, with these insurance cutbacks, it's not going to change insurance is not going to decide one day, Hey, I think we should pay you guys more. So what that means is basically for companies to stay open, they have to have therapists see two or three people at the same time just to keep the doors open and then quality of care plummets, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just, you know, I think it's destined to be this way. Do you want to shout out uh, the mastermind group you're a part of? Yeah. I'm in Danny Matei's uh, uh, yeah. PT biz mastermind. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'd love to talk to you a little more about that. And again, tying into everything we're talking about here, Danny is, is, uh, the one that put out a book called fuck insurance. And uh, <laughs> I hope that, I, I don't know if uh, that's going to be enough to give me the, the sensor, whatever, uh, yep. uh, whatever that is, but I haven't, <laughs> haven't had too many issues with that, but yeah, that, I mean, basically, yeah. F insurance. Uh, I think we're all kind of in that same, uh, hopefully kind of mindset of, of, uh, you know, we're trying to make that change one clinic at a time, one clinician at a time, every yeah. single patient that we see and, and totally tying into uh, what you're talking about. Uh, I was actually in a book club with a few other physios recently. Uh, we're doing it once a month, pretty much. And uh, it was upstream. I don't know if you heard of that book, but basic concept of uh, every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. So when we look at our insurance, our healthcare system, and we say, hey, obesity is going up, chronic disease is going up, all these issues continue to propagate, musculoskeletal issues continue to be a thing. We are becoming uh, weaker, less healthy, you know, all by by almost every metric. And again, I don't know if you know this statistic is that this is the first generation of children that will uh, it has a, a shorter life expectancy than the previous generation, and that's the first time in human history that that has happened. So, you know, I, I want to touch base with you on on uh, something I noticed on your page uh, outside of the musculoskeletal health stuff, which I think again uh, I just did a few podcasts earlier talking about direct access, uh, us being primary points of care. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk a little to also to the Florida rules around that if folks sprain their ankle or they, they hurt their back, uh, direct access, I know exists in all 50 states, but every state has a slightly different rules and regulations around that. Uh, is it unrestricted there or just real quick on the direct access part of it? If you want to speak on that. Yeah. Right now it's 30 days. Okay. So, so after that, yeah. 
But after so, that, you need a script. Right. So for, for those listening, again, uh, just if you're not familiar with direct access at home here, it's, uh, again, every state has some version of it. Again, if you wake up and your back's hurting, traditional care, you're going to go to, again, if you're especially in that insurance model, you have to go to your primary care physician, general practitioner. They might send you for an x-ray. They might send you for an MRI. They're going to put you on medications. They might do an injection. Uh, think about all the time, energy, cost to all that, and maybe it gets your symptoms better versus maybe you maybe <laughs> and again you might just be kicking the can down the road and again mm -hmm. uh you know yeah you might not even get the symptoms better but uh alternatively to all those things i just said you could just go see dr chris in naples and uh you go directly to him again cash based there's even insurance based folks where this applies um mm -hmm. again of course different regulations all that nonsense but again you go to him say i have back pain i woke up with back pain here's my history 10 years of blah 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 um, and, and he's going to put you into a situation again. Well, that's my new slogan. If, if you guys haven't heard it here on the podcast is I can help get you better, feeling better, moving better in 30 minutes. We got to put a plan in place for the next 30 days. And that's going to take us into the next 30 years. It sounds like that's very aligned with, uh, stuff you you're talking about there, but that's kind of the direct access concept of, I have back pain. I'm going to go see a physio, a uh, physical therapist, you know, today, instead of going through this entire whole system and the 30 days he's referring to is if. Uh, in 30 days, you are not significantly better and you're pretty much not out of it. Uh, that's where you can say, okay, now we'll, we need to send you back. Again, we have the education. We're at a doctoral level as of a few years ago. 100% of graduating physical therapists in America have a doctorate. Um, there are still practicing clinicians who have master's or bachelor's going grandfathered back. But still, the education level is so high that uh, we can spot and know the red flags to say, hey, like maybe this isn't just back pain. Maybe you do need to go to your physician day one, or by day 30, things aren't progressing the way we expect them to with traditional situations of, again, slipped discs or herniated discs. Where, you know, I think, again, I heard your recent episode about hamstring injuries or tightness and stretching hamstrings. And I really enjoyed that around nice. uh, is that causing the issue? So, again, that's where uh, we have that ability to, to you know, Again, diagnose. We are doctoral level profession. People do not realize this all the time. So I unfortunately feel like I need to keep shouting it from uh, this little platform I have here. So uh, coming keep it back. Up. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you. Uh, and again, appreciate you being here. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll keep going with that. But um, coming back to it, the one thing I wanted to go off of there was uh, I did want to talk about this whole long-term health concept. And I noticed you have this additional uh, at-home kit testing. Can you speak to us a little bit about that? Oh, uh, let's get checked.com as a, a company. I just have an affiliate account with them. Um, I, I love getting, you know, I love sending people out for blood work, find out some, you know, cause I, I've this past year and over the pandemic, I got certified nutrition and really, uh, dove deep into the nutrition world and I'm just starting to tie together the pieces. Cause you know, it's, uh, we tend to be, you know, mechanical thinking like, okay, your knee pain is because of this, you know, your ankle, but sometimes there's nutritional uh, deficiencies. And it's, I like to bring that up to people. I also like passionate about, you know, get your diabetes check, get your cholesterol check. Uh, I just think that uh, so many people are walking around pre-diabetic, don't even know it. Um, and I think that's going into the pandemic. That's a big problem with a lot of people are dying of COVID are pre-diabetic. Um, so I, I love the idea of being able to send people out to, for tests. Well, actually, the kit gets sent to their house. They finger prick themselves, send the kit back in, and they get a call from a, a nurse practitioner with the results. So, and that just, I, you know, I try to build that into, okay, well, um, let's see your electrolytes. Are you deficient in electrolytes? Maybe that's why you're having constant muscle cramping. You know, it just gives me more information. 
Awesome. And can I ask again, uh, just curious, what was uh, the certification that you received there? Just because I actually literally recorded an episode yesterday uh, with my personal trainer buddy on the Demand Better podcast, my other podcast around uh -huh. demanding better from a nutritionist. And we dove pretty deep into differences between the term nutritionist, different certifications, uh, registered dietitian. So, yeah, I was curious, where, where did you get that uh, certification? I just did uh, ISSA's course, the uh, sports nutrition one, nice. which, to be honest, I don't think is a, a fantastic course. I don't feel like just that course alone gave me enough to give awesome nutritional advice. But I, I, I just got into, I read tons of books, I, you know, tons of lectures. You really have to seek out a lot of information on your own. I dove deep into some of Chris Kresser's work as well. Yeah. And I'm actually thinking about doing his um, one year his, long adapt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. About health, health coaching certification. Yep. Yes. Yes. Um, I, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll feed off of, again, uh, if those want to check out the Demand Better from your nutritionist podcast, we talked a little bit about calories in, calories out. And as one of the ways, to uh, just chat with somebody who you're kind of interviewing as a possible person to work with. So I'm just curious, what is your take on calories in, calories out? Where does that fit into your grand scheme of things? <laughs> it's not a trick question, but it is. I think, I think it's broken. It's a broken model. I mean, you can lose weight through calories in, calories out. Uh, it's basically planned starvation. Um, I think a better way is to access ketosis. So your body has two ways to burn fuel, carbs and and fats. So burning carbs is glycolysis, burning fats is ketosis. Uh, so if you're constantly eating carbs, and this goes into the, sort of the diabetes uh, conversation, you're only burning carbs all the time. And to lose weight, you have to burn all the carbs in your bloodstream, then finally access your ketones or your fats. Well, one way around that is just, you know, maybe go carb deficient a little bit and your body will naturally burn fat for energy. And it's a much more sustainable energy. Uh, by the way, if you get hangry, <laughs> hmm. that's a symptom that you are basically carb dependent. So if you're always feeding carbs to your body, your body almost like forgets how to use ketosis. And that, that's a classic sign. Uh, by the way, that is termed metabolic inflexibility. If you are not good at going back and forth from carbs to fats, that's metabolic inflexibility. And that's not a good place to be. I, I agree. I agree. I like that take on everything. And yeah, the one thing for me that I'll, I'll just echo from our episode yesterday, and again, uh, if you disagree, feel free to jump in. But at the end of the day, it comes back to working with and having a guide around, you know, talking you through and not just having a cookie cutter like, hey, we're just going to put you on ketosis. But even if that is your your thing, like I think based on talking to you, this is what we should try. It's also saying we're going to do this for 14 days or 30 days or whatever the, the protocol is. And then, you know, having that constant communication around what are you feeling? Okay, you were hangry on day seven. That's normal or that's not. And that's a sign of this. And here's mm -hmm. some different ways to deal with that. So being able to, to talk people through, I think at the end of the day, my big takeaway from our episode, and I hope people get it is, is uh, again, it's, it's you should have a clinician or, or somebody working with your practitioner who can help guide you through these concepts there is no one size fits all um and you know that's the big big thing there yeah um and i did mention that i think calories and calories out is broken let me just clarify that what i mean by that is um i think psychologically what that can do to people is make them feel real guilty because uh, to go calories in calories out long term which i mentioned is basically planned starvation in the end like you're going to get hungry and you're going to lose. So very few people are able to sort of will themselves through that. So right. I think a lot of people sort of fail with that approach and kind of just feel guilty about it. And I just, I don't think that's the way to do it. 
For sure, for sure. Yeah, and and I mean, I'd love to. We could probably do a whole hour on this alone, but <laughs> um, but yeah, again, I think for for anyone kind of. Uh, I want to fill in that. I feel like there's a little bit of a gap there around the fact that generally calories in calories out as an approach uh, says, Hey, you, you know, you're, you're resting metabolic rate, basal metabolic rate, all these different things. Uh, you're going to burn, let's say 2000 calories a day, or you're doing an extra hour of, of cardio and you burn an additional 400 calories, whatever. And then, then uh, because of that, uh, at the end of the day, when, what, what, what I was trying to convey for folks yesterday on that podcast was uh, for calories in calories out is, if the person's able to at least speak intelligently to the concept and, and say, uh, it's not always, okay, let's burn 1200 calories because you burn, you know, be, sorry, let's take in 1200 calories because you burn 2400 calories. So you're going to lose 1200 calories a day, you know, by the law of thermodynamics, you're going to lose this amount of weight, but yes, not in, not including and incorporating the psychological benefits, the, the expectations, the difficulty of eating 1200 calories a day, which is, you know, some people do, uh, and they 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 have the motivation up front, but then it just catches up to you, and there's hormonal implications and all that. So that debate, again, can go on for hours and days yeah. and yeah. and years and <laughs> and has. Uh, but yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing your your take on that and um, bringing it back to a little bit of physical therapy stuff. Um, you mentioned you want to talk about hip impingement. I'd love to you know see see uh, why you chose that. I mean, I love it. A hip impingement. I got to work in New York City at one of the busiest and and I would say highly respected physical therapy clinics. And we were very connected to uh, two or three of the top hip surgeons in the country, in the world, mm -hmm. uh, back in New York at Hospital for Special Surgery in Lenox Hill. So uh, hip impingement is definitely one early in my career that I, uh, a diagnosis that I got very fond of treating. And I feel like there's a lot of really easy peasy things. And I saw again on your podcast, you talk about plantar fasciitis, uh, again, this hamstring things, a lot of these common myths that people, uh, if they just go and Google and WebMD, uh, you know, it, it's leading down these kind of crazy paths, but there's this, this holistic kind of very easy approach. So yeah, I'd love to hear about your take on hip impingement. Yeah. And it ties into what you're saying about direct access is a great reason to come see us first and not go rush off to surgery. Cause that, you know, um, as a diagnosis, it's really picked up, um, in the past like decade, I forget the numbers behind it, but people are going to surgery like crazy rates for hip impingement. And, uh, so a lot of times it's, uh, much better to do physio. Um, I think success rates around 64% for surgery, which is not great. Uh, <laughs> I want to, I want to jump in real quick and, and yeah. I'll say a few other things here real quick is, is, uh, for anyone dealing with this hip impingement, it, it's, uh, it's probably going to present as a pinch, which is how I always kind of, you know, connect impinge pinch. So that's one way to remember it. The other term is FAI, femoral acetabular impingement. Uh, again, a little more fancy. And then you can go deeper down the rabbit hole of is the, the ball overgrowth or is there socket overgrowth? And then or sometimes there's both. And again, what they'll do in surgery is shave one of those down versus again, this uh, more uh, whatever we want to call it, conservative model. And something else that's come up that I wanted to jump in real quick on is, is uh, when you say we should try physio first, Unfortunately, and I think you're going to be in the same boat as me here, uh, there's a big difference between cash-based PT or physio and, and insurance-based physio because, again, they're just handling the symptoms. And that in, if you go in and you just have kind of you're debating surgery versus not, the conservative approach is one that is poorly defined. So when we say uh, try physio, and again, that means all sorts of different things because we're going to you and I probably I would bet have a, a huge overlap of how we treat um, versus, again, like you said, that Medicare uh, physio physical therapist down the street. We won't even give him the physio title, um, <laughs> but yeah. 
but yeah, so I just wanted to, to throw that in there and I'll let you get jump back into it because I, I do think these are all very important uh, things for, for the consumer to understand. Yeah, and actually, I'm, I'm in a hip liberal FAI uh, group on, on Facebook. I sit there and watch people complain all day about these problems. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think conservative, many people might mean go get a bunch of injections. Mm -hmm. uh, that to me is invasive. And, and, and that's I literally just had this conversation with a patient this morning. Uh, who's a CrossFit coach and a female, and uh, she was dealing with these hip issues. And I was like, I think I, and she was in physical therapy, conservative approach again. Uh, and we were doing pretty different stuff. Uh, so I gave her some different things and she, by some of these exercises, and again, we're going to, I'm going to use the overly generalized terms of, you know, we woke some stuff up, um, some different muscles that she hadn't been really focusing on and doing it the right way with the right cues. Um, and she began to uh, have less symptoms, go crazy, less pinching, less clicking, all that kind of stuff. So um, I do think, and, and, and her question, which is a common question to your point about uh, platelet rich plasma. Uh, right. And especially this is something that again, surgeons, doctors will throw at you, uh, orthopedists. Uh, and again, to, not to say that it's always wrong, but in my experience, what the research shows, uh, I just saw another article that I shared with the, this patient actually this morning that a new study showing uh, platelet rich plasma, uh, which we're not going to go too far down for the sake of time, but does not improve any kind of joint injection. This specific study that came out, I posted on my, I think LinkedIn, uh, was about knee, knee osteoarthritis. But at the end of the day, I think platelet-rich plasma as an example might be useful for tendons uh, in my experience. But again, you go to 10 different physicians and they might have 10 different protocols on how yep. they're doing it. So it's hard to just like with this concept of go, go to a physio. It's like saying, hey, I went to McDonald's and now all restaurants are just not, you know, that's how I view all restaurants. So it's not the same versus a, you know, three-star Michelin restaurant type of situation. Anyway. Yeah. And well, this is a bigger question of um, imaging, right? So everyone rushes off to imaging and they're like, oh, there it is. I have a labral tear. Because by the way, labral tears almost always come with FAI, this hip impingement. Um, and then the question is, okay, was that producing your symptoms? Do you have groin pain or lateral hip pain because your labrum is torn? Maybe. I, I don't know. Um, so the idea with a PRP is maybe to, to heal that labrum. But people will get that and then they don't get relief because the whole time it might be just a muscular issue. It might be a muscular imbalance. It could be like a micro instability because that labrum does have a role in creating stability in the joint. And maybe you're just um, the, the way the femur is sitting in the socket is not the way it's supposed to. Um, so imaging can be just as problematic because now you're tracking, you know, a pathology where it doesn't always correlate to the pain. Yeah. And that's, again, really well established and researched and uh, tying into, again, two other big concepts I'll, I'll add to this conversation is one, uh, the, the, the traditional study back when I was a student, 2005 to 2008, I think these studies still exist and, and are, are cited often is uh, you take 100 people on the street, asymptomatic, meaning they have no pain, nothing going on. They're just walking down the street and you grab them and you do MRIs of them. Uh, 72 out of 100 who have no pain. That's the statistic. I, again, I'm sure there's other statistics we can throw at you, but that's the one that stands out to me the most and has stood out my entire career. 72 of, out of 100 people will have something that if you show that to a spine surgeon, they're going to say, I need to cut that open. That looks scary. Uh, you know, it's a herniated or whatever, um, but they have no symptoms. So, uh, you know, another example of that is David Cohn. If you're a Yankees fan, like I am, um, you know, he pitched a perfect game and they, they did an MRI at the end of the season. And, you know, he had all these crazy things for his profession and, and, and no symptoms, you know, it's just, it's just kind of pain that's going on there, but he's able to perform, he's able to live life. Um, and, and again, within his context, he was able to get, you know, the surgery when it, it was neat, more needed, uh, and to clean things up. But yeah, that's, that's, that's all contextual and, and things that are, I think, um, 
terms of hip impingement, it's it's something that, again, I think needs to be very clear. The other term there real quick uh, is the generative disc disease. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. Yep. And, and that's uh, and I, I forget which organizations you might be you might know as well. Uh, there was a few organizations that came out and said uh, we should not be using this term as clinicians. And, and, and uh, it was like the American Academy of Manual Therapists or Physical Therapists, mm-hmm. whatever it was. And they said because, again, it's like saying, hey, you have wrinkles. Um, and that's what degenerative disc disease is like it, your discs change over time. There are degenerative changes, but to, to put that label on it makes somebody scared who doesn't understand the, the, that this is just a natural process of aging and doesn't necessarily correlate to symptoms, your quality of life, anything that's actually important to, to, uh, most patients. Yeah. The language around this stuff is super important because people think I have a disease, you know, right. and, and that, you know, it's like, yeah, like you said, you're just getting a little older <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. wrong with that. hey you have gray hair like we need to operate you know it's <laughs> it's, it's it's incredibly uh yeah it's incredible the power of language and nocebo placebo all these different things so uh exactly. moving on to our our third topic though to, to smoothly transition uh you put in foot obsessed which i like that term i, I noticed you're you're a little barefoot in most of your videos that I, I i looked at on your youtube channel um and so yeah tell us you know again i you also mentioned i'll i'll, I'll connect it back to that the knee issue 99.9 percent of knee issues folks are from your feet ankles or your hip the knee is a stupid joint the knee does not know what it's doing uh it's you know and again anytime you have pain and, and again i'm, I'm sure you you want to echo this or, or or debate me if you need to you got a little dropping things going on over there um yeah there's a chip okay. in the background <laughs> <laughs> um but but this the saying is uh, you know, the, the knee in that situation is the victim and the criminals are usually somewhere else again, either up at the hip or down at the foot. So, uh, I'll, I'll just use that to, to set you up here to talk about the feet. Cause I do think they're they're They often get neglected. Yeah. So I think of the knee and the elbow is kind of the same thing, mm-hmm. right? It's usually mm-hmm. a shoulder or wrist problem or hip or ankle. Um, I just think that the uh, narrative around feet is kind of backwards and, Everyone's trying to throw in orthotics and get the right shoe. And I just think we're, we're doing it backwards. Yeah. Uh, we, we should be barefoot more often. I think shoe wear should be there just to protect you from like cigarette butts and glass, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. like I have a three-year-old girl and she's, I always have her barefoot. Um, you just, when you put a shoe on your foot, your foot gets and especially an orthotic, your foot gets to relax and you know, it's like having a cast on it just it gets, it gets weak and atrophies and, there's no, you know, no surprise that all of us have flat feet and plantar fasciitis and all these issues. So yeah, I, I make a point to be barefoot most days. It just happens to be a little cold today, so I'm actually wearing shoes. But uh, <laughs> 95% of the time, I am barefoot in the clinic. I walk around barefoot. I'm wearing will, my toe spacers and everything. Will you join me in the anti Hoka uh, support group? I think you know every time I see Hoka's, uh, for those not familiar, those are the really big cushiony shoes that again they're just it's it's walking on people say it's super comfortable and i believe you uh so is sitting down in a couch but that's not going to lead to good things for our bodies our bodies are not meant to be in these very comfortable positions uh, we need to challenge our bodies we need to keep our feet strong and again like you're saying if you don't use it you kind of lose it so that's where flat feet uh is a bit of a chronic thing and we're gonna see i think uh more and more of that over the years and uh, yeah. So foot obsessed. So let, let me ask you, what do you, what do you do other than encouraging barefoot? Uh, are there other, uh, concepts you're, you're putting into place with, with feet? Yeah. I mean, I'll start off by looking at the shoes. Okay. All right. You're basically wearing high heels. You got like a one inch heel on the backside. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing too, is the toe box and the toe spring, right? So you get a lot of shoes that are really narrow that squeeze your toes together. And then they have a toe spring. So in other words, if you're in your shoes and I can slide my thumb underneath your big toe 
when you're at rest, that's that's a toe spring. Your, your big toe is elevated. So if, if you remove the shoe and think about that foot position, you're in this plantar flexed and toe extended position. And that's just not a natural position for the foot. The, the toes basically become inactive in that situation. Your toes are super important for balance. They're there for a reason. They're there to support the arch. So if you're not using them, your arch is going to fall apart. And then we're trying yeah. to solve that by sticking a post underneath the arch, you know, a.k.a. an orthotic. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's called an arch for a reason. It's supposed to be non-weight bearing. So that's a, step one is I just educate about shoe wear. You know, try to progress to something with zero drop. You know, I, I will say if you go from like an elevated heel right to a zero drop, you're probably going to have some pain in the way. So I try to progress people slowly into that. Yeah, the, fun, the funny right. example there is I was in New York City when the book Born to Run came out. And uh, those not familiar, Chris McDougall uh, really encouraged barefoot running. And there's a couple million runners in New York City. And we were in a very busy clinic. And after that book came out and people went from these very cushiony shoes for running and running whatever, 100 miles a week uh, to, you know, barefoot or, or Vibram five fingers, which was the thing at the time. People would switch mm -hmm. that to protect from glass and cigarettes and things like that. Uh, yeah, we saw a lot of problems. It was great for the physical <laughs> yeah. therapy industry. Uh, we had shin splints, we had all sorts of overuse injuries, things like that. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely, again, where similar to the diet nutrition concept, uh, if you're making some of these changes, you know, this is, and, and this is where, again, I think, uh, I don't know how we're going to get this into the mainstream, but the same as like, before you start any exercise program, please check with your, your primary care physician or whatever. Uh, same thing is like, before you make any of these changes, check with your guide, your Sherpa, your movement person, uh, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be, you know, I'd love it for, for it to be physical therapist, but that's the problem. We're terrible at marketing. So outside of that, yeah. I do think, uh, you know, that's a whole nother, again, can of worms that, that we don't need to open up right now. But I do think that, uh, again, in terms of primary care, musculoskeletal physicians, clinicians, however we term it, uh, we need to keep pushing that. And, and again, like these are such simple things. And again, I'm, I'm so glad we're on the same page. And again, I feel, I feel like we could, uh, you know, echo each other a lot. And, and I feel like we're in that echo chamber a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think it's important to keep repeating these messages. And, and I always love, uh, you know, I go back to the same stuff for almost everyone I work with is breathe better, you know, position yourself better. Right now I'm standing. I don't want to pick on you if you're sitting. I do think you're sitting there. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> but you know, I'm standing, I'm playing with my dog here. That's okay. I don't want to, I don't want to guilt you into it. Uh, but you're, you're probably on your feet the rest of the day. Right. So yeah. I, I, I try to be, uh, as up and about as I can. So I'm not in a busy clinic. I, I work more one-on-one -on -one and I do a lot of online stuff too. So I'm, uh, you know, standing desks, don't fix everything. It becomes almost a shift too far in the other direction where now people are standing the wrong way for, for eight hours a day. And now that causes its own problems. But anyway, you got I'm, someone working really hard in the back there. It sounds like he's breathing pretty hard. there. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We have a, we have a pretty busy gym. Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm in a saddle stool. So, you know, uh, so okay. it takes a little uh, less hip flexion and I, I, my, my computer is on a milk crate. So I'm sitting nice, a little more nice. elevated. We'll give you, we'll give you some bonus yeah, points yeah. there. I'm halfway That's there, okay. halfway there. That's okay. Um, yeah, so I do. We do want to be respectful of your time, the listeners' time. My dog keeps uh, shoving balls in my, in my leg here um, to play fetch. But uh, yeah, any other any other major things uh, you want to leave folks with? Again, big takeaways, concepts that that uh, you know you have a. What's the Tim Ferriss question? Is if you had a billboard in Times Square, uh, you know, what would you have it say? Oh, I don't know. That's a tough one. But I, I kind of going to our other point. Um, I do feel bad for the average person out there that's not a physical therapist that's trying to sort through all the information these days. There's so much information. And it's, it's important to keep in mind that the pendulum swings 
back and forth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in any field. And, you know, just look at the shoe wear conversation we just had. You know, what was the advice a decade or two ago? Like, you need a, a stable shoe or a comfort shoe or, you know, uh, it's, you know, I somehow like Nike is been awesome with their messaging and worked their way into the medical field uh but i you know it's always good to keep in mind that there is a pendulum in any industry and usually somewhere in the middle is the right answer yeah sometimes 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 sometimes. (laughs) i mean barefoot barefoot's pretty pretty extreme the other way you know so i don't know if that's in in the middle (laughs) but uh, i don't know if like innovate shoes or vivo barefoot or zero shoes uh xero uh, you know, some of those are, are good options. I'll shout all those companies out if, if and you guys go support those uh, smaller companies, I guess. Zero, ironically, actually, uh, was looking for an assault bike after moving out here to Colorado. And uh, I found one listed, uh, went to check the guy out. It was actually the president, owner, CEO of Zero Shoes. So got to connect with him and, and chat about some of that barefoot stuff. So uh, oh, ran- cool. random fun story there. But yeah, definitely want to shout out those companies. And again, if you guys need any help with um, any of the barefoot stuff, toe spacers, it sounds like all, all things that should, again, I think in our opinions here, be implemented for 100% of humans uh, to get us back to kind of healthier, longer term solutions. But uh, yeah, I, I like that that concept. So uh, cool, man. Uh, tell everybody uh, which of your many podcasts they can find you at or, <laughs> or anywhere else where it, sounds, it seems like the website might be the best place to go there. Yeah, yeah the website is dynamicnaples.com. All the websites are there, there in the learn section. Uh, but right now the dynamic Naples podcast, that's my local one. I do a lot of ranting on there. So I do a lot of solo stuff, but then I also interview other healthcare practitioners that are like-minded. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, yeah. before we wrap up, I actually want you to share your, your elevator story. <laughs> Just how oh. you got into physical therapy. I feel like, you know, usually we do this at the beginning, but I do, it was a pretty interesting story when you, you shared that. So if you don't mind sharing it. Okay, for the non-physios out there, most physical therapists get into it because they they broke themselves somehow and found rehab. Not all of us, but I'd say most of us. And it's funny because I have this story that I was going into PT school, like doing my interviews. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have this this awesome story. And I'm totally going to get into any school I want to because it's so (laughs) inspirational. And then I'm talking to other candidates. They all have like similar stories. Uh, Mine's a little different, I guess. So... um, in my 20s, I was living in San Francisco, actually, and I was working in a $13 million home where they were installing an elevator. And I was uh, I was doing carpentry, like trim work. So I was measuring the trim, what was going to be the trim around the elevator shaft door. And somehow I managed to fall in there <laughs> and I fell four floors. I fell through some wood on the way down, which slowed my fall and saved my life, basically. Uh, I landed on my butt in kind of a partial fetal position with my outstretched hand. So I fractured my pelvis, uh, L1, and my wrist. Um, went to San Francisco General. Uh, the nurse told me they thought I was going to be dead on arrival when they saw the reports. Um, had terrible health care. I was actually sitting in a gurney in like a hallway for most of the evening. Um, and then, you know, 24 hours later, they gave me some Vicodin a cane and said, good luck. And that was the extent of my healthcare. Sat in my apartment in San Francisco, uh, taking Vicodin, in a lot of pain, gaining weight, getting depressed, uh, just, you know, that downward cycle that very quickly happens. Uh, Finally moved back to Cape Cod, Massachusetts, where my parents were living at the time. Saw my family doc and got straightened out on the right path. Went to physical therapy. Eight months later, I had no cast, no surgery at any point. 
and was in the best shape of my life. And everything changed. Dropped like 40 pounds, depression lifted. And I was like, this is this is what I need to do. That's that's the short version. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you sharing it, man. And and again, um, yeah, if you are out there and you're a patient and you 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 know a physical therapist, I'd be curious for you to ask them. because uh, again, I would say in my experience, I would estimate it to be over 75% of, of PTs kind of have some, obviously maybe not as intense of a story, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I would say I found my way in, in this direction from an injury and I was like, Oh, okay. Like I was going to be a sportscaster or, or, you know, I definitely wanted to work in sports. So either sportscaster. And then I, I sprained my ankle. Our team doctor was a chiropractor. I was going to be a chiropractor. I was like, yeah, I don't like that whole philosophy. Then I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon. And I was like, yeah, I don't like that whole philosophy. And then I found physical therapy kind of to your point in between, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the right fit there. And then, um, yeah. And again, I've, I've told that story a few times, but I don't want to, uh, take up again, any more of your time and, and my wife needs the room. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I really appreciate you being on here, Chris, enjoy uh, the weather over there in Naples and, uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Hope you got 1% better. Uh, if you have questions, if you got something out of this, I hope you like share, subscribe, uh, leave a comment, uh, reach out to either of one of us and, uh, yeah, we hope to hear from y'all soon. And enjoy the holidays. Today is Thanksgiving Day Eve. I'm going to Friendsgiving later. And uh, uh, nice. any plans, Chris, for you? Uh, my bro my brother just moved to Naples, and my parents are in Fort Myers, which is about 45 minutes away. So finally, we get to have a nice, easy family uh, dinner. We're actually going to do it poolside at my brother's ah, new place. So yeah, rough, very, that's rough. kind of atypical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, enjoy that, and we're going to sign off and uh, see you guys next time.